All right, this is Back to Being. I'm Dr. Marwin. Today, my guest is Dr. Arnaud Bernier. Originally from Paris, France, he practiced for full-time for 20 years in Yardley, Pennsylvania, and part-time for 20 years in Durango, Durango Colorado. He started children in chiropractic with Joe Margolis and Larry Webster, which eventually became the International Chiropractic Pediatrics Association. He was a founder of Masterpiece Seminars, founder of the MLS Seminars, founded Cafe of Life Vitalistic Practice Model, an internationally renowned speaker, and being a pillar that goes beyond his, profession, beyond his profession to what I would call being a guardian of the philosophy of life. Arno, welcome to Back to Being. Honored to have you on. Marvin, it's good to join you from Colorado and reach for to you in Ecuador. Fantastic, oh, yeah. eh? Technology <laughs> today. Yeah, it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so what are you doing right now in Ecuador? I mean, sorry, in Colorado, I'm in Ecuador. What in Colorado? Well, I just got off the phone with a, a chiropractor from Argentina. You know, I connect with a lot of chiropractors and vitalistic practitioners all over the world. So I'm very involved still with MLS seminars and the Cafe of Life model. Uh, and, you know, I do speaking engagement uh, when it comes my way. I, as you know, I've never pushed the river of life. I always believe that there is a river designed for each individual and if we can tap into that river we can follow its flow so uh, life has been a blessing for me and i've had a lot of things coming my ways uh, as long as it's aligned with my vision and mission and purpose i go for it if it's not i say no thank you mm. yes yeah, that's, that's that's brilliant I, re I really think you know being able to say no is super powerful it's definitely something I need to work on myself. Now, I recently, <laughs> <laughs> now, I recently saw that you spoke in Atlanta and you said that we have moved from the information age to the age of consciousness and that consciousness is the new currency. What is consciousness to you and what is this new currency? Well, consciousness is an awareness of self and an awareness of what is going on around you and an awareness of discernment of this is positive for my life, this is improving my being, you know, it's, a, it's an investment into myself if I tap into this, if I do this, if I do that, versus it's destructive uh, and harmful to my being and myself. So, you know, as we all know, consciousness is what is, is the awareness behind the thoughts, uh, but it's a way to step back and almost observe oneself uh, through life and how our thoughts are evolving, how is our emotion evolving, what are we exposing ourselves to. So all of that for me uh, talks about consciousness. And obviously my very strong drive and vision has always been from way back to elevate human consciousness in relationship to life, health, healing, wellness, and well-being. And when I said about life, health, healing, wellness, and well-being, it encompasses nearly every aspect of life from the moment we are conceived to the moment we transition. So it's creating an awareness of approaching all of those things from a natural perspective, not from a fanatical or dogmatic ways, but learning on how can we abide by the laws of life? How can we abide by universal laws? and respect them outwardly and respect them, in, respect them inwardly within our own being. So that's very much what I would call consciousness. And to respond to what you asked about is, yes, 
We are out of the age of information, moving into the age of consciousness. Very soon, it won't matter what you know or what you know how to ac- what to access. People will do business with people because of their level of consciousness, because of who they are as a human being, how they vibrate in life, what is their level of integrity, what is the congruency about the way they live life. And that is the next economy and the next era that we into. Yeah, that's... that's- I think I I couldn't agree with you more, and Have I look I lost forward to. You? No, no, I'm here. Are you Can, there? Yeah. yeah oh, so, oh, the connection. Yeah, now I'm here. Okay. So obviously, you became a chiropractor, and when you were a young man in Paris, what inspired you to become a chiropractor? <laughs> Nothing inspired me to become a chiropractor. Uh, I, I ended up uh, out of a motorcycle accident, which I call a motorcycle on purpose, um, <coughs> in the office of a chiropractor, who Zoe Nobakin, <laughs> my dog is barking there. So, uh, I ended up in the chiropractor and visit, he really spoke truth. And that truth that he spoke ignited my consciousness. And as a result of it, I was like, this makes so much sense. This is my life. This is my future. This is the calling of my soul, my purpose. And I will become whatever that man was doing. At the time, I didn't even know what he was doing. He hadn't even touched me. But his interaction with me on a first visit was so profound uh, that it ignited a spark in my consciousness. And I knew that that was it. I had found my life. So that's what inspired me to become a chiropractor. Yeah. And what, what did he tell you exactly? Well, you know, I came in with uh, symptoms from a motorcycle crash. Uh, I had severe migraine headaches that were chronic. I had loss of strength and sensation on the right side of my body. And after listening to my symptomatology and my story, he listened very deeply, very intently, very profoundly. And then he looked straight into my soul. And he says, there is nothing that I can do about what's wrong with you. What I can do, however, is address what is right in you. And then he say, you cannot fight darkness. You must turn on the light. You cannot fight symptom and disease. You have to turn on life. And you have to understand that I came from the medical world. And to hear those words made so much sense because I had seen so many people coming into the hospital in a deplorable state of being, what I call one foot into the human junkyard or one foot into the human graveyard. And we spend all this enormous amount of energy, technology, money, professional power on them. And nothing was done on promoting health and well-being. It was attacking symptom, attacking disease, not restoring health or investing in boosting that person's immune system or physiology. It was all, how do we counteract what's wrong with them? So it spoke to me greatly, and that was the beginning of my chiropractic life. Wow. So where did you go from there? You, you know, I, you went to... I, I well, immigrated from- <laughs> to Gaffney, South Carolina, over 20 years ago. But I know you immigrated to somewhere else in South Carolina back in the 70s. What, what was that like? Right. So I flew from Paris to Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, Obviously, it was a shock to my system, something I didn't expect. 
uh, you know, Paris is a city of light and Spartanburg was not the city of light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was 1973, Spartanburg, South Carolina was still the deep south with all the bigotry and all the old boys club controlling the city and all this. So it was a shock and it was a blessing because as a result of it, uh, there was nothing to do in this town. So all of the students, including myself, we invested ourselves fully 24 7, 365 for four years into chiropractic. And I want to say this that chiropractic philosophy and principle is an inside out philosophy of life and health and things natural. And as a result, because we are all hypnotized, indoctrinated, socialized, by a medical, mechanistic, crisis care, so-called healthcare system, which is not a healthcare system, it's a symptom, sickness, and disease care system. To reverse that programming, you need an immersion into a completely different way of looking at things. And those four years at Sherman College was an immersion into a different understanding onto approaching the human body from a place of respect, from a place of honoring it, from a place of supporting it, of taking care of it properly, and putting all of our attention and focus on health and well-being, true health, not fighting sickness and disease, true health and true healing. What is the nature of biological healing? What is the nature of core healing? So that's what we immerse ourselves in. And I have to say that without that immersion, I believe it is very challenging to practice in a vitalistic model because the population, including ourselves, are constantly bombarded by the media, by the medical profession, by advertising in magazines, in a crisis care, reactive model of symptom sickness and disease care. So it takes fortitude and strength to swim against the current and the prevailing wisdom. And it was a blessing that Spartanburg, South Carolina, a place where there was nothing to do except immerse yourself in our study. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. And I know what was the, how did you, what did you do to, what do you do today that after you graduated, how did you stay immersed? Like, Because as you say, we're well, provided with nonsense all the time. What's interesting is when I talk about an immersion, uh, you know, we are all, as I mentioned earlier, educated, socialized, hypnotized, brainwashed, actually, by the media into fearing our body, fearing our symptom, into being reactive, not taking care of ourselves until we have a symptom, a sickness, or a disease. Uh, and my schooling, to the contrary, was, I would say, first a deprogramming of that hypnosis that we had received through, from the time we were born, that is very insidious. Uh, but then it was more tapping into a knowing inside, revealing some things that we all know that every human being is in touch with innately to bring that force. So it was not an indoctrination into a new system. It was more a remembering of what we all know intuitively. Yes, the body is self-healing. Yes, we have the capacity to heal within ourselves. Yes, we were created from a speck of invisible matter called the fertilizer ovum that has the knowledge, the powers, the intelligence, the know-how 
to manufacture an entire human being, which means what? That within that speck of matter reside the power, the knowledge, the intelligence, the know-how, the creative genius of manufacturing a heart, a liver, a pancreas, a gallbladder, lung, tissue, bone, ligament, you name it. If it has that power, if it has an intelligence to start with, that intelligence did not abandon us the day we were born. It is still with us every day. And most people experience that. They cut themselves. They don't question that that cut is going to heal. They break a bone. You know, maybe, yes, it has to be casted because it's severely displaced. But the cast is not doing the healing. The healing is a body rebuilding, removing debris, removing broken down tissue, and then building new bone cells. So we all experience the miracle of healing within ourselves. But when it comes to something like a cold, a flu, a stomach virus, whatever, we think that, oh, that's different. <laughs> the body doesn't know what to do. No, the body knows what to do. And also learning what is the language of the body. How does the body speak to us? Symptoms are the language of the body. It's a guidance mechanism as to what to change, what is off in your lifestyle. It's a warning system. Um, sometimes the symptoms are signs of adaptation to the environment, to changes in the internal or internal environment. So symptoms have something to teach us. So what we learn during those four years is how do you tune in to yourself? How do you learn to listen to your own body and then self-regulate change things and also how do you remove interference blockages to the expression of this incredible power incredible intelligence this inborn knowledge that we have within ourselves so that was my schooling and once to answer your question marvin once you get in touch with that there is nothing to remember there is nothing that you have learned you have tapped into a knowing, a knowledge that has been with us, with every human being from the time we were conceived. And it's to remember it, to tap into it, and then that's it, you're home to yourself. So that was a process that I went through for four years. And that understanding, that knowledge, that wisdom, that passion has remained with me ever since for now 40, over 45 years. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful way of explaining. And I see so many people, not just, you know, in, in our profession, but just the public in general who are waking, who are wanting to wake up to something. And I, I think you just answered what they're waking up to, which people yeah, just coming home, as you said, like, that's what people are looking for. People are tired. Why, you know, why do you think, you know, I think uh, maybe when I was younger, there was a lot of resistance, but now I see people are searching this new philosophy. Why do you think they're searching for this? Well, I think people have been more and more disconnected. They have been disempowered. Uh, you know, the moment you're a child, you have a head, intuitively a child will put their hand on their head, mommy, you have a headache. But we say, oh, take that pill. <laughs> so from the outside in, rather than, okay, why don't you lay down, have a glass of water? What do you need right now? Tap into what is the need of your body or look at what you have been doing for the last day or so that might have created these headaches. So, you know, it's learning to retap. And I think the public today is disconnected, is disempowered. 
And when they stumble into a place where we can restore the authority of their own being, empower them with the knowledge, the power, the wisdom that reside within them, uh, and teach them to, or guide them, I, I don't even know, like to, to say teach them, guide them to learn what is your body saying right now? What does your body need? You know, somebody is 200 pounds and comes in and say, I have knee pain and low back pain. Yeah. Well, what is your body saying? You're carrying too much weight. It's not that hard. Okay. I'm out of breath. Okay. I, I can hardly catch my breath. What is your body saying? You probably need to exercise. You probably learn, learn have to learn to breathe, you know? So it's causing people to learn, relearn to listen to their own being. And then to answer and to be self-responsible and self-accountable. Mm. Yeah, I think the that's days the of yes, to me personally, the day of here's my problem because you're facing a doctor. Take care of it for me. Are over. They're over. It is time yeah. to empower people with you are responsible for your health. You are responsible for yourself. You are accountable for your lifestyle. Uh, and yeah. confront people in a genuine way, in a loving way, but confront people to awaken them to that reality. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, especially my generation or younger, we're not really held accountable, like whether it's our teachers or parents, we're all, you know, like I think when you were younger, people held you more accountable. And do you think uh, just in general, like the way we are raised and having a lack of accountability is a big problem? A lack of what? Accountability. Accountability. Like accountability, nowadays uh, we don't have account, like you don't get in trouble for being bad in school, for example, like before you would, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the pendulum always sw swing all the way one way, all the way the other <laughs> way. When I was in school, you know, you slightly tilted your head out of the line of the student, you wake a smack, you know, <laughs> uh, there was intense corporal discipline and I'm not a proponent of that, but the pendulum has moved into a complete, anything goes, laissez-faire, it has to come back to some kind of balance. Um, yeah. I think it's important to make young children self-responsible, accountable, um, to hold them accountable. And then that they might grow with a different understanding and, you know, learn to be accountable for themselves and their action and the way they eat, the way they drink, the way, what are they listening to, um, what are they exposing themselves to through movies and videos because all of that is energy and food that is basically either yeah. positive to the system or damaging to the system yeah definitely now, now talking about children I know you work with people like Larry Webster and such back in the day and you started what eventually became the ICPA uh, what was that experience like and why is it important for children to be under chiropractic care well, you know, if you really understand that receiving chiropractic care or from another discipline, receiving massage on a regular basis or receiving acupuncture on a regular basis or doing nutrition on a regular basis or exercising on a regular basis, all of those things are positive for human physiology. So if it's a positive for human physiology, when do, should we start? Should we start at 55 when somebody is, has serious degeneration, many illnesses, have lost five or six organs already? Or should we start as early as possible? And actually, 
beyond the children is pregnancy. Yeah. You know, woman pregnant couple ought to receive regular checkup by a chiropractor, ought to receive massage, prenatal massage, ought to practice yoga, ought to have great nutrition to ensure the best possible outcome for the birth. And then the moment the child is born, even if it's a very natural birth, uh, the be chiropractor to see if there is any blockages along the neurospinal system. Uh, and if there isn't, to just do nothing. But it has been checked. It's like having a checkup. Uh, and then when you look at children between the age of birth and eight years of age, this is when most children will be subject to severe emotional, mental, and physical trauma. Uh, Ida Rolf. Yeah, and you said zero to eight. Is that correct? Eight years of age, yes. Eight years, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you look at a child uh, growing up, learning to walk, the number of tumbles, fall, getting up on the uh, coffee table and banging their spine, um, all of the, the early fall. And then on top of that, the mental, emotional abuse that many children receive through their environment because we have not taught parents to be you know, good parents, basically. There is no school for that yet. Uh, and then <clears throat> you look at all of that and then the abuse, the chemical abuse mm. that we have put on children with this unbelievable amount of vaccination and medication that we put into children. Uh, so you look at all of this, this is when most of the trauma has been experienced. So yes, to start as early as possible, to try to ward off and prevent many of those trauma if at all possible, and then to give them a sense of, oh, I don't have to be sick to receive attention. I don't have to be sick to be touched and have a great massage. I don't have to be sick to have great nutrition. I don't have to be rewarded, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, going to have time in fresh air and some exercise uh, only when I'm sick. I can be rewarded and do something positive for myself while I'm well. And of course, also when I'm sick. Because sickness is part of life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a beautiful way to describe, uh, you know, why it's so important, as you said, not just to be on a chiropractic care, but anything that puts our body in a positive state of being. So it's very, very Simple. important. Simple approach. Eh? Yeah. Focus your energy. <laughs> you know, there is a law, Marvin, called the law of energy placement. Whatever you put your energy into will grow bigger. So for centuries, if not millennium, we have put energy into symptoms, sickness, and disease. And what do we have today? More of it than ever before. Mm. Oh, people yeah. will argue, say, oh, no, we live longer and all this. No, we don't live longer. So we survive longer because of the technology to keep people alive. But the quality of life is deplorable, more and more. By the time people are 40 years of age, 50% or 60% of the population is plagued with a degenerative or chronic illness already. So we have put all that energy into symptoms, sickness, and disease. We got more of it. Let's put our energy, our resources, our know-how, our knowledge, our financial resources into promoting health, vitality, and well-being. And that's what the chiropractic profession and many other emerging profession in body work, in life coaching, are very much tapping into this new energy, this new trend. Yeah. So that's what we're all about. 
Definitely. And, you know, I think that's a lot of our listeners. They want to get back to being, uh, being a human being, right? Because we've been covered with all these layers of crap that you've explained. And now I think it's a time for what, what you've been preaching all your life. And I think it's coming into fruition now. People are ready to receive. Yeah, I think it's time. Yeah. And, you know, another point of that is we know now that the cost of the symptom sickness and disease care system is so astronomical that it's, it's really affecting now uh, the wealth of nation. Uh, it's affecting small corporations, small businesses. It's bankrupting families. Uh, to invest in oneself from a positive side uh, into our own health and well-being and wellness and vitality is not that expensive. So economically, it's not a big business, but in the long run, it will save on the bleeding of nation that are bleeding so heavily by financing the symptoms and sickness and disease care system. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Now, you know, I currently, I live with three French chiropractors in my apartment. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Timothy is asking if you, if you miss doing seminars. If I miss doing seminars? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I still do more podcast interviews uh, with the media now you know you can reach more and more people yeah and because I'm I sorry uh, can, can, please, you, can you can you repeat that answer uh, oh I say that you know I'm right. still I'm still teaching I'm still doing seminars not as much as before uh, and I'm still doing public speaking but uh, today with a new technology I've been invited to so many different podcast uh, interviews so there is a way to reach the public now at large, which was not available when I was younger. And I didn't grow up with an iPhone and doing selfies and self videos. So actually, I'm not very good at sitting in front of my computer and start to talk. I'm much better in an interview situation uh, when I'm outside my public speaking range. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely glad you're able to keep sharing because the world definitely needs it. Uh, now, now, Dr. Oswaldo Colon asked me earlier, like, what is your biggest accomplishment? And I remember the T-shirts we used to have, it said life on purpose. I said, what is it like living life on purpose? <laughs> it, it's a joy. It's an endless vacation. I always say that. It's an endless vacation. From the moment that I stumbled into chiropractic and I felt this is my life, this is a calling of my soul, this is my reason for being, for existing, this is my purpose. Uh, I can honestly say that I have not worked a day in my life. I've had energy output. I've had demands, um, schedule, responsibility, but never work because it's a joy. It's my hobby. It's my passion. It's my love. Uh, and then you get paid for it, which is amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's such a joy when you tap into Serving something greater than yourself, serving a principle that is greater than yourself, serving a vision. My vision is very clear and has been very clear for a very long time uh, that it is to elevate human consciousness in relationship to life, health, healing, wellness, and well-being. And that's my vision. So when you are pulled by the vision, by a vision, you never have to push. You are, you are being pulled forwards. There is a flow of energy that comes through you that is boundless. So, yeah, it's a joy. 
it's an absolute yeah. joy. Yeah. So, you know, you, as you said, you're pulling, it's pulling, it's pulling you automatically to where you need to go, your vision and purpose. Is that correct? Yes. Now, how do you, how do you, you Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And through that, you know, when you are driven by vision, when that vision is your engine, uh, you encounter synchronicity, you encounter grace, you encounter blessing, serendipity, uh, hyper-synchronicity, sometimes astonishingly bewildering. Uh, I mean, I've had instances of virtually the probability of that one thing happening is one in five, six seven billion people mm. so uh, you know how do you account for that so things falling to place there is a flow to the river of life when you serve something greater than yourself and a principle greater than your profession in yourself yeah yeah absolutely so like talking about this like how would how, how do you attract people like or how do you reach people like, is it just uh like, is the, do you have a special marketing plan or is it just what do you do well you know, I didn't grow up with marketing. I didn't grow up with advertisement. Uh, I mean, there was advertisement at the time, but it was not what we did. Um, basically, when I started practicing, I shared my passion, my love, my understanding, my knowledge with people. I guided them to tap into themselves. And then it grew organically. And it, ex it grew slowly at first. I recognize that. But then it grew with a potentiality that became very potent. And then suddenly it started to morph and explode. And after that, it was all attraction. Uh, I believe in living in total integrity and congruency. And when your life is in alignment, when your being is in alignment, people know it. And you will become an attractor and you will attract towards you the very circumstances, the very demand that your vision is basically inviting you into. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, we, 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 you have this, uh, like you have this magnetism, that's for sure. You know, cause when I remember the first time I heard you speak, you spent 30 minutes talking about the innate intelligence of a potato and I knew I had to learn more. <laughs> So my question, my question, <laughs> uh, my question is like, what, what, like, how did you become a, such a great public speaker? Uh, this is a long story. I was terrified, absolutely terrified of public speaking, uh, to the degree, Marvin, that I would have diarrhea for two or three days prior to the time of my speaking uh -huh. engagement. Uh, I would sweat so profusely within hours of knowing that it was coming. I had so much anxiety, uh, virtually terror was eating me alive. But my passion and my desire to share this understanding, this knowledge, this wisdom overcame and basically was greater than my fear. And over the years, I learned to manage that fear and you're going to understand that it was not even in my own my own language i wasn't born speaking english i was yeah. born speaking french so it was difficult at first some people my pronunciation my grammar was off because i learned english on the street mm -hmm. uh, never took courses in english 
So still today, just just actually very recently, something funny, Marvin. I did not know that there was a distinction between an idea and an idea. (laughs) Really? Because it sounds the same to me. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, I have an idea. So people would say, well, where is it? No. And it's only recently I realized, oh, there's a slight distinction in the pronunciation, an idea versus an idea. Yeah. So, uh, well, so you definitely got like your I, you, defi- you definitely got your IDs across to many people, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but maybe that impairment forced me to communicate in a way that I knew that the audience would understand me and my message. So that did help me in carving over time uh, my public sp- speaking skills. And as you know, my public speaking skills are very different when I'm in a live audience than yes. even on a podcast or an interview. Uh, something, a part of me come out and it's very powerful. It, it's very impacting. And the reason that I know that is because sometimes I run into people that haven't heard me speak in 20 years and yes. they say, oh, I remember you said this. And it's verbatim exactly what I had said. Uh, so I know the impact and the penetration of my public speaking. Yeah. And, and why is it that you are able to, on a whim, just speak your truth? Is, is, there, some, is there some way of recognizing what truth is? And, and Well, as I mentioned earlier, when you make that journey to peel layers, to remember what innately we all know, then you can tap into that part of yourself you can be within yourself, tap into that part of yourself and speak from that place. So you have deep clarity. And that is, did we disconnect there for a moment? Uh, Marvin? I can hear you, yeah. Are we disconnected? No, we're connected. You could hear me through all this? Yeah. Because my screen didn't lead up when I was speaking. Okay. Uh, But you were asking me, you were asking me how uh, do, do we feel or do I, how do I come with so much ease in sharing the message? Yeah. And what I was saying before we got disconnected is that once you tap into that part of yourself that resides within, once you remember what truth is, then you can speak from that place with deep clarity. You don't have to convince anybody. You're speaking from within with a profound clarity. And that is a really powerful way of communicating because you speak from a place of resonance. Uh, I believe that there is a liquid crystal oscillator in all human being. When we encounter truth, when we read truth, when we hear truth, when we experience truth, that liquid crystal oscillator starts to vibrate and there is a resonance and something inside ourself is touched. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. When you can come from that place, power in your communication, there's clarity in your communication. Yeah, definitely. And so, so, uh, so where, where you go, what is your next project coming up soon? Uh, well, I have a number of things, but uh, Sometimes when you're working on something until it's completed, it's better not to talk about it. <laughs> uh, 
but I'm, yeah. I'm open to speaking engagement, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> that is always something that I welcome as long as it meet my, it match with my vision. Yeah. Um, and I'm working on different things. You know, I'm a different phase of my life, my life now. Yeah. I'm what it's called the winter of my life. So it's a different place and uh, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward exciting. to see, see what you, we end up with. You know, we're all curious, to be honest, and uh, we want to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you say you're in the winter. What, what happened? What, do you, what would you advise someone who is maybe in their spring? And who wants to serve vast numbers of people? That's a great question. My recommendation is to plant, nurture, and grow mighty, mighty seeds. Do not just go out and blah, blah, blah everywhere. And there is no foundation. There is no depth. Plant mighty oaks, not just grass not weeds, mighty oak, and let it grow organically over time. Uh, I think the greatest plague maybe of a century is the capacity to promote oneself through social media at an accelerated rate. So as a result, we have people that have no place having any kind of recognition, any kind of exposure, any kind of success, but they are able, when you can reach virtually millions and millions of people through social media, you can create some kind of windfall for yourself. But that's weeds and grass growing. It's not a mighty oak. So the public has to discern and have a strong discernment as to what is the trail of that person? What is the origin of that person? What is the depth of that message? So that is something that I think is very, very important uh, <coughs> is to learn that with social media, you have to have great discernment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very important because uh, definitely, there's a definitely a lot of weeds in social media right yeah. now. <laughs> Uh, I think Marvin in the recording it switched again when we when I answered that question my my screen wasn't lit up. Um, yeah, no, I I caught everything. You caught everything. Okay, good, good, yeah. good, super. Yeah. So, what does what does being a human mean to you? Oh, what does being a human mean to me? Um, constant personal work. Constant self-awareness, serving the whole, serving something greater than ourselves, uh, I think is a very important part. Um, and harnessing the power to do good in the world. I think that is the only power to be had, is the power to do good in the world. Mm. So uh, if at the end of life, you know, and you know uh, as I mentioned earlier, and the winter of my life, you look back at your legacy. What is the legacy that you live? What impact have you had on the world, on the people that you touch? And that to me um, is pretty much the only thing probably that in the last few breaths of this life, one take with you oneself. 
we don't take anything else with us. Uh, but the contribution we made. Yeah. So that's that I think is a what it is to be a human being. How can I contribute? And everybody contributed in different ways, but how can I contribute to benefit all of humanity and the consciousness of humanity, elevate it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, why, why do you think uh, like a lot of people are like not, uh, why do you think a lot of people are afraid to go within to uncover their power to, to step into who they are? Well, it's clear that we are distracted. Our society was set up from the moment we enter school to hypnotize people, to indoctrinate people, to brainwash people uh, so that they can mold to be automat in our society and serve the society as a whole, uh, serve the industrial complex, whatever you want to call it. And we do not reward people that step out of line to become their own being and to become their own creator and the expression of that creation. So I think for the majority of people, they do not realize how externally driven they are and how they have been brainwashed basically to work, 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 go home, plug in front of the media and be indoctrinated there to be numbed out. And, and that's the bulk of the population, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, here and there, there is people that step out and that are very brilliant and bright. And now they can even actually reconnect to the media because they can observe it as, oh, this is a funny game. Oh, this is a funny movie that I'm watching but they're not getting sucked into it. They're not being pulled by it. They're not being affected by it because now they have that internal connection with themselves. So um, I think that's why many people are, <laughs> are not able or afraid to go within. Um, to go within required to let go of a lot. Um, so much that we believe as to who we are is not really who we are. So it's, it's a scary journey for many people, but it's a worthwhile journey because once you're home, and you know, BJ Palmer always talked about listening to um, radio station G-O-D, uh, which is universal intelligence speaking from within, innate intelligence speaking from within, to connect with that frequency. Um, and that's, the essence of our chiropractic profession. You know, it has been lost in many parts of our profession, but that is the essence of our profession. It's an inside-out philosophy of life and health and things natural. How do we connect with universal within, with innate within, and then express that outward? Uh, how do we connect with a client, patient, if you want to call it the patient, and be in present-time consciousness, connected to our soul, and with an wide open heart because we're in the spirit of service that alone those three things present time consciousness connected to herself with an open heart is a metaphysical part of the adjustment that we give people the thrust the adjusting trust or the connection the contact is a physical part 
But in my view and my experience, the metaphysical part is the most powerful and the most important. It basically entrains that person's physiology through the cosmology factor because you are in a state of being that is elevated. You entrain the physiology of that person. Basically, it has always says that love heals all, that love is a healing ingredient, that love is the ingredient of universal synthesis. So indeed, that when you are in that state of being and you are serving people in your practice, that's where you see absolutely astonishing manifestation and outcome. Yeah, wow. And what would you say is the most amazing transformation, transformation you've ever seen in your practice of an individual person? Uh, well, I had a phase for three months where I attained a high, very heightened state of being. Uh, and during that phase, I could barely touch people. And if they, if they did come in with symptoms, uh, nearly all of them had spontaneous healing. So I knew from that experience that the state of being is primordial. Uh, and unfortunately, as you know, it's not what is being taught in any of the schools. We teach people technical skills, artistic, artistic skills, uh, but we do not teach them necessarily to have the capacity to go in present time consciousness and to have the capacity to be connected to self and to have the capacity to be in such deep service with two others that our heart is wide open. So that is something that I believe has to emerge within all healing art, whether they are in the health, wellness, and well-being field, or whether they are in the symptom sickness and disease field. Uh, I think that's a key element. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I definitely think it's time for that. Now, what would you? What do you do on a, a daily basis to keep you in that rhythm, to keep you in that flow, or to keep you in that beingness of being present with people? Get up in the morning, two glasses of water, yoga, meditation, shower. And then I go about my day. Uh, frequently, I also, at night, um, read something really positive. And I also have a gratitude practice that I do every single night. Uh, that's a practice that I do while in bed, and it gets me on my way to sleep. So my gratitude practice may, may extend to my entire direct family, and then I drift off to sleep. It may extend to an unbelievable amount of people, including all of the people that I've known in my life that have passed. Sometimes I do that gratitude practice to bring back to my awareness all of the people that I've known that have passed and transitioned into another realm of life. So those are the things that I'm disciplined as a monk and I also exercise beyond yoga on a regular basis, um, which my wife would say a regular basis. Yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I live my life in a very self-discipline, monk-like discipline. Um, and that's how I prepare my instrument for the day. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, you mentioned uh, monk-like because one of the reasons I became a chiropractor is because I th this philosophy is very similar to like yoga and meditation. And I, and I didn't want to be a monk. So, but this was another way of serving. So, <laughs> yeah, this is a way to serve in, in the world, not outside the world, you know, in the yeah. world. 
<laughs> so absolutely yeah. yeah so yeah that's cool now so yeah you know really really appreciate this interview i know and i know it's going to inspire a lot of people uh one one question i do have is you know even someone as accomplished as you i'm sure you went through a moment of resistance at some point or a moment of uh, conflict or tragedy what what would that what would that be for you and how did you overcome it well i went through a very tough time uh about a year after i graduated i entered enter a severe nervous breakdown that lasted nine months i became catatonic agoraphobic nonverbal if it wasn't for the help of a friend that was a an african american friend that virtually fed me based me um protected me until i was able to come out of it but that phase of nine months and it said you know it said take nine months to make a baby was a nine months to shed many different layers that i had it was extremely tough time i spent nearly every day thinking of how to commit suicide and if it wasn't for chiropractic philosophy and the trust that there is an innate wisdom within myself i probably would have done it uh my life my world was so dark at the time but i also re- re- realized that when i came out of it looking back that it took 9 months organically to come out of it and that is the toughest challenge that i encountered in my life but that gave me a springboard to know that no matter what i was facing nothing could ever get worse than that so and when i came out of it uh from having tunnel vision everything in dark everything gray it was almost like a spark in an instant i had open vision and i saw the next 10 years of my life as clearly as a movie unfolded in my awareness and everything that i saw in my awareness did manifest itself um so in life we all experience ups and down and from that experience what i've learned is that the nourishment the food the water the shadow from the sun from the elements the shelter are in the lows they are in the valley not on the peaks it's wonderful to be on the peaks at the top of a mountain but you can't stay there any length of time the storm in the afternoon i live in colorado at 2500 feet 2000 meter and there is 12000 and 14000 footers around when you climb one of those you have to climb early because by 12 o'clock 1 o'clock you better come down before the storm comes and there is no nourishment there is no food there is nothing available there is no water so in the ups and down of life that's where the growth and the self growth and the transformation take place it's in the valley mm. yes you know a lot of us a lot of people want to stay at the peaks <laughs> it's uh, as you mentioned you know you have to come down and i feel it's almost as if it's a blessing right when you have to come down because the next peak is going to be even bigger correct so, correct yeah yeah so if you had to go back in time uh for for a 20 year old arno what would you tell him well at 20 years old i was on a very sad and dangerous path in my life dark path probably i would not have 
ended up well. I probably would have ended up dead or in jail. So that turn when I was 23, 24 years old, uh, it was a 180 degree turn. So the 20 year old, <laughs> I don't think I could have told him anything. <laughs> uh, the 24 year old, as I made that shift into a completely different life, a blessing of a life, I would say that <coughs> I made errors, some mistakes. Uh, I was not a very good delegator. Uh, I probably could have had even a greater impact if I had known how to delegate better uh, um, and create a support system around me of people that could take me and the message that I have, you know, to a very big level. And that being said, I also trust that, you know, sometimes it's not the bitter, biggest rudder that steers ship. I don't know if you know that, but on very large ship, container ships and cruise ship, there is a main rudder. And then within the main rudder is a tiny little rudder. And I view the impact and the influence that I have had as this tiny little rudder which actually is a true rudder that steers a ship. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at peace with what has gone on and where I'm at right now. Yeah. I mean, you definitely inspired many, many of us to continue pioneering uh, this philosophy in, in different ways, perhaps, but definitely is still alive and growing, from, even from that tiny little rudder. <laughs> right, right. And so... What would be, you know, in your experience, you know, you've done a lot of entrepreneurial things with your practice, with your seminars to help serve people. What would you advise the, maybe your top three or maybe your number one tip to running a business? I'm not the person to ask about running a business. Uh, life has blessed me with windfall and I had no clue. I've had no business sense, no clue. I just did what I did, totally trusting fully that it was the right thing to do and somehow the finance will work out. And it always did. And I've seen money as a fuel. Uh, and I always went like, do I have enough fuel to do this? Or do I have enough fuel to do that? And the fuel always came. And I've been blessed with what I label inner and outer wealth. So starting from virtually nothing. I mean, $5 in a suitcase. So, and no family, no support, no friends, nobody, no, no one. So I believe that if you stumble into the river of your life and you trust it fully, the universe will take care of you. So I'm not the person, Marvin, I'm sorry to say, to ask about business uh, solution or business recommendations. Yeah, but I think at the same time, your, what what you just what you just mentioned there is a diff, it is a, it is a tip in some sense because a lot of times we get stuck in our head and we're missing what's in front of us. So I think there is there is something that you shared there that is valuable even for someone that does want a business tip. Yeah, I I missed the last part which we discussed the slide in. satellite probably. Is around. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, and I was just saying that even, <laughs> even what you just shared there is actually, I think it's actually very valuable because 
a lot of times we get stuck in our head and even you know getting more into just the, and we're losing the present moment and just being able to serve and see where it takes you as you said you know the reward was the finance right i think to, to follow your heart when your heart call when you know you you're very clear you have that that the heart is calling follow it blindly it will work out even though if at some point in the process it may not look like it's going to work out in the end if you follow your heart it will work out don't get too worried about the finance the money the business it's not about especially not in our field in the field of health healing wellness and well-being it's not about making money making money comes as a byproduct of your service as a byproduct of your love for people of your byproduct of your love for humanity that's where it comes and just serve people at the goodness of your heart. You know, we, we have this thing like give out of your own abundance, love people and serve them. Then the financial reward will be there. The business will take care of itself. And, and it doesn't mean that you, you give everything for free. The, the law of exchange is important, giving and receiving. So you attach a value to your service, but don't worry about the business. It will take care of itself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Arno. This has been a fantastic, fantastic interview. I'm always, I always get inspired and listen to you. And well, I hope the recording went well because it looks like we had a few glitches here and there. Yeah. I think maybe the video wasn't the best, but we definitely got the audio. So it'll be, it'll be fine. You know, <laughs> great. And when you have it, send it to me, please. Oh, absolutely. I will. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you, Arno. And, uh, well, Marvin, thank I'm you sure, again. I'm sure not only me, but also our listeners will want to hear more of you in the future. So I'm sure we'll do this again and uh, appreciate it. That would be awesome. Okay. All my love to you, Marvin, and to the All audience, right. you know, stay on your path. All right. Thank you, Arno. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.